0: for joining the ladies of Her Portion Podcast. Come, pull up a seat at the table, because you are welcome here. Grab your Bible and a pen, and let's dig into God's Word together. Take a moment and pray that God would open your heart to Him as you listen. So without further ado, let's get right into today's portion. Good morning, ladies. This is Jackie, and our topic this month is on adornment. So... To say I'm nervous about this topic is an understatement. It's a topic I do not bring up often because literally every person in the world has an opinion on it. Although, while I was reading my daily Bible reading in 1 Timothy 1-3, through I thought about our topic for the month. Before I start the episode, though, I want to pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you will not have any preconceived ideas about what I'm going to say. I want to start out by reading 1 Timothy 2, so bear with me. I'm going to be reading from my Bible, but it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 1, it's a very short chapter, it says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of, our, of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I'm ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women, professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. For Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved and childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. In the New Testament, every time you read the passage surrounding the topic of women's adornment, There's a theme surrounding the thought, and that is submission, honor, and good works. The conversation around modesty can be very brutal and not grace-centered. I'm a fourth-generation Christian and third-generation preacher's kid. I've been in church my whole life. I have a deep understanding and belief of ones who uphold a high-modesty standard But I also have an extremely deep understanding of so many people who have been hurt by the conversation. It's a conversation that is highly controversial and one that I dare say would change either opinion by this podcast. So I'm not here to voice my opinion either way on the topic. But let me just say that the conversation should begin with knowing who we are in Christ. Our identity should be in Him over every opinion we must always be careful to study the scripture and in its context. And we do not have to be afraid of it, uh, may I add, by the way. The reason it's important to begin in First Timothy, because Paul is writing this letter to Timothy for the church. It's important to note first, as Paul begins the conversation He says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. The first conversation surrounding our adornment is literally all about Jesus. If it's not, then we have it all wrong. My adornment is everything about pointing people to Jesus Christ. He says, who will have all men to be saved. God wants everyone to know about him. We are a walking advertisement and representation of Jesus Christ. All throughout the New Testament, we were referred to as ambassadors. One of the definitions of modest is peculiar, property exclusive, right of possession, ownership. When people see me, do they know the King of Kings owns me? I am purchased, a purchased possession of the Most High God, and I am the King's daughter. I love what the Bible says about the Lord's clothing. If you read Psalms 93 1, it says, The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty, which majesty means, by the way, greatness of appearance, dignity. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also established that it cannot be moved. If you turn over to Psalms 104, verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, Thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Everything about our outward appearance should point people to the God they want to know living on the inside. I'll never forget one of the kindest compliments I've ever received was one Sunday morning I was helping the teenagers who rode in our buses. I was talking to them, helping them find their seats in the auditorium, and just simply trying to get to know them better. We were cutting up a bit. We were laughing that morning when one of the girls said to me, Miss Jackie, there's just something different about you. When I was a teenager, I thought the word peculiar meant ugly, out of style, wrinkled. It cracks me up now just thinking about the thoughts we ingest and consume into making and these made up truths about God. There is nothing ugly about my God, and that is not the definition behind peculiar and set apart. I think I began feeling this way because of how I watched some people treat others. Thankfully, this was never the spirit of my parents or my grandparents, although my years in church, I've experienced church members going home to talk about the ones at church they felt were dressed immodestly. I'll never forget one time sitting in choir when a missionary and his wife walked in the back door. They were newly called and had just began deputation. I heard a lady in the choir lean over and whisper that the missionary's wife was worldly. I remember she was tall, blonde, had a beautiful blazer and a skirt suit set, and she had a pair of pump heels. I remember her being beautiful, but honestly, I remember being a little angry that she was assumed to look worldly simply because she was beautiful. There are so many extremes to this topic. There's a conversation centered around grace, as if it doesn't even matter how I adorn myself. There's a conversation centered around the Old Testament law and traditions of men. There's a conversation that says no one can tell me when or what I can wear. But I hope that we as Christians can have a spirit-filled gospel conversation around the topic of adornment. Which leads me to my next point. The first point being that our adornment should be everything about pointing others to Christ. That's what it's all about, y'all. Secondly, our adornments are a picture of our submission. 1 Timothy 2:11 says, "Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection." This verse is not saying that the man is more important or that the woman's opinion doesn't matter. The Bible is full of women who made a difference and a huge impact on the world for the cause of Christ. Although, subjection has everything to do with actually the role God has given men in the church and in the home as the leader. 1 Timothy 3.12 says about the deacons of a church that they should rule their children in their own house as well. Meaning, according to Strong's Bible Dictionary, that he is the protector or guardian of the home. He is set over the home by God himself. 1 Timothy 3.4-5 says, That a man who desires to pastor must rule well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? When you first read the word rule in our vernacular, it can have a negative connotation, but it's not negative. Jesus gave the command to cherish his wife, even as he gave himself and died for the church. That's why I say we must read scripture in context and rightly divide it. This passage is not giving men permission to lord over their family with a rod of iron, which is a whole different conversation, and I'm not talking to men. But ladies are to set the example to be submissive to our husbands so that our children see our example. On the other side of things, if you look at 1 Peter 3.1, he says, Likewise, ye wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Do you have a lost or backslidden husband? Do you have a husband that is not obedient to Scripture? Well, the Bible says that we can win them by our lifestyle. What should our lifestyle be like? In submission to Him, our husbands, our own husbands. At the beginning of the chapter, he says, likewise, meaning he's pointing to the conversation before, which is in chapter one. Chapter one is so powerful because he's talking about Jesus, Jesus, his submission to the cross. He bore our sins. Submission is so much more than simply being obedient to what our husband tells us to do. First Peter 1.21 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. First Corinthians thirteen, the love chapter, it talks about bearing all things. Are we willing to bear our husband's burdens, or is it too much work? Does it hurt our pride? Does he know that he's number one, or do we hold the pastor and his standards above our husband's preference? First Peter three five says that holy women. Holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. So, first of all, I believe according to scripture, our adorning should point people to Christ. I also believe scripture teaches that our adorning should be in submission to our own husbands and to please them. As the Lord says, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and our body is not our own, and we are bought with a price. Scripture also says in Ephesians 5.23 that the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the savior of the body. So my body belongs to Christ, and my body also belongs to my husband as well as his body to mine. 1 Corinthians seven four states, The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. So when it comes to my adorning, I want to please Christ, but I also want to please my husband. Wives, when we please our husbands, we please Christ. There's another passage of scripture that talks about this more in detail. But in 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about the difference between a virgin and a married woman. The virgin has all the time in the world to devote to Christ. That's all she could do if she wants it it that way. But a married woman in verse 34 of 1 Corinthians says, A married woman careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Verse 35 goes on to say, And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely. It's a beautiful thing is, is what he's saying that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. I love how gracious the Lord is through Paul's letter. He's saying it's a beautiful thing for a wife to care about pleasing her husband. And it doesn't take away from her devotion to Christ. Which brings me to the next thought you find in scripture around adornment. And that's honor. My life verse is Proverbs 31, 25, which says, Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Another verse, parallel, to this thought that I meditate on often is Proverbs 12, 4, which says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Just as a crown sits on top of the king or queen's head, I want to bring my husband honor with everything I do, say, dress, whatever it may be. If you go back to 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, In like manner also, that women adorn themselves... In modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Is this saying it's wrong to braid your hair, wear a gold ring, or wear expensive clothing? Before we make an assumption and judge people harshly, maybe judging a woman who wears a coach purse that she is, and maybe someone thinks that she's vain because I've heard that before. Let's look at Proverbs 31. The woman, the Bible says, whose worth is far above rubies. This chapter says that she dressed in silk and purple, a symbol of royalty. Silk is the most unpractical material in the world. Is that even a word? I don't even think unpractical is a word, but it water spots and is definitely not kid friendly. She made fine linen and her household was clothed with scarlet. So I don't think in Timothy, he's saying that these things are a sin, but I believe it's a warning that it shouldn't be our main focus because first Peter three says, let it not be the outward adorning, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, a great price. Yes, my outward appearance encourages and honors my husband, but what will keep his heart is my spirit when outward beauty fades will others continue seeing the beauty of christ the greatest example i know is my grandmother and a pastor's wife for over 60 plus years she was always very beautiful dressed beautifully and even had a contract to sew for royalty and made their clothes I had the privilege of caring for her in the last part of her life, and she lived with me for a season. Even with dementia, the love in her eyes still sparkled. She still could remember the hymns. She sang so sweetly as she sat and was unable to do anything else. Which lastly brings me to my last point for the day, and that's good works. Our adorning should be fitting or suitable to a woman that professes godliness with good works. According to 1 Timothy 2.10. Again, as we learn from scripture in the first point, my adorning should point people back to Christ. Jesus was constantly going about doing good. God is good, which I wrote a whole blog post about this on my website. You can find it at www.jackiemariecar.com. But I hope and pray that this topic wasn't offensive. That's definitely not my heartbeat, but I pray that the Holy Spirit used it to encourage, exhort, and edify. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. And I hope that you will join us the rest of the month on this topic. Thank you for joining us today on Her Portion. We hope you leave with plenty to ponder from God's word. We encourage you to use today's topic to start your own study in the scriptures. Until next time.